Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Recently in Nashville, the annual GMA Dove Awards were presented by the Gospel Music Association at Lipscomb University, recognizing excellence in Christian music. You'll be hearing from some of the night's winners ahead. Then it's author and columnist David Limbaugh. He has continued his series of books covering material from the Bible from a Christian perspective. His latest covers the early church and the life of Paul. Some of his comments are coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, Felon McAleer and his wife have co-written a book and produced a film about an abortionist whose techniques were especially gruesome to the extent that he ended up in prison. Find out more about Kermit Gosnell, who is described as America's biggest serial killer. Plus, with some news from the world of entertainment, you'll be hearing from Tim Witter of the Parents Television Council, including family-friendly content for the new fall TV season. Finally, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and therapist and counselor Ramona Probasco has helped victims move to surviving and overcoming for a number of years. She provides some insight rooted in a Christian perspective about some of the steps those who are victimized can take to experience healing and freedom. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. The 49th annual GMA Dove Awards were presented recently in Nashville at Lipscomb University, honoring excellence in Christian music. I had the opportunity to spend time in the press room hearing from a number of the winners. Here now is some coverage of the GMA Dove Awards with three winners from the night. The Contemporary Christian Artist of the Year and New Artist of the Year, Torin Wells, Gospel Artist of the Year, Tasha Cobbs Leonard, and Songwriter of the Year, Artist Category, Matthew West. Well, I was really at a place three years ago ready to lay all of this down you know being an artist and what that means because I really honestly I just love the local church Uh, I love serving in the local church and that is a worthwhile cause to give your life to and so I was really content with that and So I decided to step away from the band that I was in. I was in a band called Royal Taylor. And I knew that stepping away from that could possibly meant that I was stepping away from the whole opportunity. So it's been cool to see that once I got to the place where I was willing to lay down what I had been holding so tightly to, that God really blessed me with opportunities I I never thought possible. Yeah, hills and valleys has just come from the the culmination of my life. You know, we wrote that song in a couple of hours, but I think I spent most of my life, you know, getting that lyric and that melody together because I've just been through so many highs and lows, ups and downs. And I actually have learned that in the high places we bow low and in the low places we stand tall. And that's the real posture of humility is being able to to bow low in a moment of significance and to stand tall in a moment of struggle. This album is called Heart, Passion, Pursuit. And the vision that God gave me for this album was that it would bridge gaps. It's, um, we, we wrote songs with Matt Redman, Jonas Myron. You know, just we, we went out and to L.A., and wrote about five songs in in a few hours. It was absolutely amazing. But the vision was, the Lord said to me that we often focus on the things that make us different. And we 
sometimes look at them in, in a negative light, but the Lord said, I made you different so you can let, never live without one another. And um, he said, so the things that you have in common is your heart for me, your passion for me, and your pursuit after me. And so we called 20, 25 worship leaders from around the world into a studio for five days, and we, we documented the sound. So it was absolutely amazing. God will send you into a foggy place that you can't really see with your natural eye, but you know you hear his voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. And so that took faith. That took great faith for me. And ever since that moment, I've been stepping out on faith with Jesus saying, I may not see it with my natural eye, but I trust your voice and I know what I heard. And everything that I do, I trust him. I trust his voice. You know, as far as the inspiration that goes into my music, it really comes down to that word, story. And you'll hear that word a lot at nights like this because we're all storytellers getting to retell the greatest story ever told. I'm really passionate about encouraging the people that listen to my music that their story matters. And so really over the last several years, I've had this unique bond with my fans and supporters where they have an open door to send me their story, send me their testimony. And I've collected over 40,000 stories and counting from all around the country, all around the world. I take those stories with me to a cabin once a year and I just I spend time reading my Bible and reading people's stories and songs come out of that experience so on every one of my albums there's uh, there's at least a handful of songs that were actually inspired by somebody who's sitting in the audience at one of my concerts and uh, that's really forged some unique connections with uh, my fans but also some unique friendships when we say it's blood sweat and tears man we mean it like these songs mean a lot to us and these awards are nice recognition but to me, it all comes down to the power of a story and how God can step in to the most broken parts of our stories and make a change. Matthew West, preceded by Tasha Cobbs Leonard and Taryn Wells. Other winners of GMA Double Awards included Zach Williams for Artist of the Year, Gaither Vocal Band for Southern Gospel Artist of the Year, Colby Wedgworth in the Non-Artist category for Songwriter of the Year, and Song of the Year, Reckless Love, recorded by Corey Asbury. The complete list can be found at DoubleWards.com. More now on the Intersection Podcast. It's author, columnist, and commentator David Limbaugh. He shared information with me about his latest book related to subject matter from the Bible entitled, Jesus is Risen, Paul and the Early Church. From that conversation, this is David Limbaugh now. Yes, it is, in fact, an extension. It's the fourth of my Christian-themed books, and it's the second one specifically on the New Testament. I in the last book, The True Jesus, I covered the Gospels, um, and now this book, Jesus is Risen, begins where that one left off with the book of Acts, the history of the early church, and then six of the Apostle Paul's 13 epistles, and I cover them in the order uh, that he likely wrote them, that scholars have determined he likely wrote them, as opposed to the order they appear in the Bible. So this book covers the book of Acts, Galatians, uh, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Corinthians, and the book of Romans. Uh, and the only reason I didn't keep going was purely a matter of space limitation, and <laughs> I will continue uh, wh- where I left off here in the next book. It's just that I want to cover the biblical text as thoroughly and deeply as I can while still making it readable, and it just works out that the amount of books I covered is what fit into the normal length uh, of my books. Well, what is it about the Apostle Paul that you really wanted to communicate in this new book? 
Well, he was unique among all the apostles, the apostles. He wasn't chosen initially. And in fact, he was the greatest persecutor of Jewish converts to Christianity because he viewed them not as forming a competing religion, but as betraying the true religion of God, which was Judaism. He was a, a Jew of Jews, as he described it. He was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisaic Jew. He was steeped in the law, trained under the best rabbis of the, of the day, and fiercely uh, determined to promote God's message. And so when, the, when some of his fellow Jews started converting, he was outraged and began to uh, round them up, imprison them, punish them. Uh, he was appear, appearing at their uh, stoning, such as Stephen, who was stoned. Uh, and he looked on approvingly, the Bible tells us. So Paul was a unique figure, very towering intellect, deeply personal, wore his emotions on his sleeve, very passionate. And God chose him before the foundation of the earth, before he created the universe or any of human beings, to be his apostle to the Gentiles. That's what the Bible tells us. And I believe he did it because of Paul's combination of personality traits and his character attributes. He was, as I said, so intelligent, so steeped in the Roman law that no one could better explain Christian doctrine than Paul and how the Old Testament interfaced and integrated with the New Testament, how the New Covenant replaced and superseded the Old Covenant, how Christ did not come to abolish but to fulfill the law, how he was the end of all of God's promises made through the Jewish people, to bless all nations through the Jewish people, uh, through the Davidic line of kings. And so Paul was uniquely qualified to make that case, and I think that's why, coupled with his attributes, that uh, God chose him in advance, knowing he would be that way. And I, I think, Paul, when you, when you study his actions and writings in these books, you will find such a deeply personal character an inviting character that uh, will draw you in to the cause of Christianity and to its ultimate hero, Jesus Christ. David Limbaugh here on The Intersection. His website address is davidlimbaugh.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. When you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on the Intersection podcast. You can also subscribe to the Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. You can access the Intersection podcast through the Faith Radio app. Learn more when you visit faithradio.org. Also, when you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs, One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, and you can get connected to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Phelan McAleer is co-producer of the film Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, and co-author of the book upon which the film is based. 
He discussed with me the story depicted in the film about the notorious abortion doctor Kermit Gosnell and aspects of his trial. Here now is Phelim McAleer. You know, Gosnell did commit horrific crimes. It's a real movie. It's a courtroom drama. The children appreciate the cops and robbers aspect. But boy, do they get education that they can that they they'll never forget. So, so with with that caveat, I just want to put that caveat there. I want to tell you about what Gosnell did. Gosnell, America's biggest serial killer, he killed many of his patients through sloppy practices, through outright reckless behavior. His chief anesthesiologist was a 15-year-old girl who had been trained for 20 minutes. And then he was an abortion doctor whose idea of doing abortion was having babies born alive and then killing them. And this is obviously horrific material. As you mentioned, this is a film that is rated PG-13. And I wanted you to just talk about, with respect to these activities that were were actually taking place inside what has been referred to as his house of horrors, from what I understand, it really took the the law enforcement community there in Philly to, to really look into and prosecute the activities of this man. It took one hero cop um, who, who believes in God and, you know, realized this is not right. And it wasn't, he wasn't a murder cop. Uh, he wasn't a morality cop. He was a drugs cop. And Gosnell had a, uh, had a profitable sideline of selling opioid prescriptions to, to drug addicts. And he was investigating the drug aspect and came across these unexplained deaths, not even unexplained deaths, unrecorded deaths. And he was going, these people have died, these adults have died, and there's been no record of it. Something's been covered up here. And he started peeling away the layers and uh, and uncovered this. And, and, you know, he uncovered political cover-ups and media cover-ups. So a republic, it all started with a Republican governor in, in the early 2000s, Tom Ridge. Uh, he was elected as a pro-choice Republican. And he said, I will not, I will not inspect abortion clinics, even though the law says I'm supposed to do it every year. He ordered his lawyers not to do it. When they went in and raided that clinic for drug sales, no official had set foot in it for 17 years. Hmm. It became a murder house as a result. So what would you want audiences to take away? Obviously, there's more than just, as we might say, gratuitous violence that might be in there. That's not your yeah. intent at all. No, I mean, I cannot tell you how much effort and time we put into remaining true to the story, but not alienating people, making this palatable to people. Because we want everyone to see this. You know, we want... There's a huge crime, interest in crime in people in America, you know, and good people. Everyone watches Forensic Files and Discovery and, you know, Law and Order. And it's like a Law and Order um, without the bad politics. So, you know, we've spent so much time. And, and what would I like to get? I'd like people to get information. You see... What happened was the prosecution decided they were going to show 
what a good abortion was and how bad Gosnell's abortions were. They failed at that. Hmm. Because the, the jury suddenly realised just how horrific legal abortions were and how close to that Gosnell was. And I'd like people to know the truth. The great thing about people giving evidence in court is that there's no political slogan, there's no fake fact, there's no fake news. They just have to talk about the actual facts and the actual reality. And people will get under oath evidence about abortion in America and the the real battle about the truth. And that throws up some very interesting questions. We had a, a liberal friend watch the film, and after the film was over, he immediately left the room, went out, started chain smoking, and said, I have to rethink everything. And we thought, we've succeeded. We've made a liberal rethink everything. Bellum hmm. McAleer here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the website gosnellmovie.com. Next up, it's Tim Witter, president of Parents Television Council. He shared information about objectionable content, which runs contrary to the stated intent of the Me Too movement. Also, in our conversation, he discussed new family content that will be available online and previewed several new fall series. From that conversation, some material now from Tim Winter. Hollywood has, you know, grasped the Me Too movement and and tried to take it under its own wing and say, you know, we must not uh, allow such, you know, such conduct to take place against our our, our women and our and our young girls too, and we wholeheartedly agree. But what we then point out to Hollywood is that every single night they are giving us basically a a rehearsal, a dress rehearsal of how to debase women, how to disparage them, disregard them, sexualize them, uh, treat them only as sexual beings. And, and that's, what they, that's what they produce and market every night on television, despite their, their claims that, oh, we're, we're concerned about how, uh, how our women in Hollywood and around the, around the world are being treated. They can't have it both ways. If they, if they want to be part of the solution, and we hope they will be, because there, there's a need for a solution. If they want to be part of the solution, then where is the content that, uh, that honors and values uh, our, our, our females for, for all of their God-given qualities, not just uh, uh, sexualization. And one of the, the major statistics that is found in this study is that over 80% of all primetime broadcast network, what are called family comedies, and you could use the air quotes there, family comedies that were analyzed contained instances of adults using explicit sexual dialogue in front of children. So again, you have Hollywood saying that it's wrong to debase women. You have women that are speaking up against this, yet in the portrayals, you're seeing sexual dialogue that is taking place and that is being demonstrated in front of children. And as you say, that is a night by night occurrence. And what you just said, there are, I mean, there are probably half a dozen of really wrong things uh, going on in Hollywood that you just described in that one sentence. Uh, you know, you start with the fact that these are so-called family comedies, that 81% of them include 
uh, crude, explicit, harmful references to sex. And it's not just the adults who are saying it, it's, it's they're saying it in front of the child actors. So if your children are watching television, they see other children present in being spoken to, communicated to in such a manner, uh, you know, wh where's the where's the lesson to learn there? And then we also add on top of it, every single program that we reviewed in the study period, all of these shows that were, were you know, had raunchy content in front of children, all of them were rated as appropriate for children to watch. TV PG, TV 14, children as young as 14 or even younger, uh, th that's what they're marketing these shows to as family comedies. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, where's where's the responsible uh, uh, content? It's just, um, it, it's so few and far between. This is the beginning of the fall television season. Tim, are there any bright spots on the horizon as you can see it in this new season? There are a few bright spots, and we're, we're, we're happy to be able to... Uh, uh, point out the good that uh, that is coming out of Hollywood. We certainly have <laughs> a good tracker at, at uh, denouncing the bad. But, uh, you know, it's just as important for us to promote that which is good. And there were three or four shows that are, are new this year that we, we are very excited about in terms of uh, family quality viewing that, uh, that doesn't shock and pander and, and ask us to reach our lowest lows. Uh, they're actually very inspiring, one of which is on the CW network called All American. It's about a high school football star who uh, who's here in Los Angeles in a, in a pretty rough neighborhood, but uh, he's recruited to play for Beverly Hills High School. So he's he's kind of commuting between those two communities and, and dealing with the issues, the real-life issues that, uh, that come with that. But it's done in a very inspirational, positive, well-crafted way, and uh, we are very proud uh, to, to promote All American on CW. Uh, the second show is called The Neighborhood, on, on CBS, and this is uh, the um, actor uh, Cedric the Entertainer uh, is the, plays the lead role, and it's kind of following in the footsteps of Archie Bunker and George Jefferson about you know trying to bring honesty and humor uh, to uh, to current issues, but it's done in a way that is really tolerant and respect and that are part of the humor, and uh, lots of teaching moments. So we're very happy to uh, to promote uh, the show The Neighborhood on CBS. And the third show that we're promoting is called The Rookie, and it's on ABC. The Rookie, the star of the show, people who ever watched the show Castle will remember Nathan Fillion, who was the lead actor there. He's also taking the lead role uh, on on uh, the show The Rookie. Think of it as the oldest rookie on the Los Angeles Police Department force. So it kind of balances a little bit of comedy and drama, uh, but it's, it's something that is safe and enjoyable uh, for the whole family. Tim Winter here on The Intersection. The website address is parentstv.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, to coincide with Domestic Violence Awareness Month, therapist and counselor Ramona Probasco, who approaches the topic from a Christian perspective, shared insight related to the book Healing Well and Living Free from an Abusive Relationship from Victim to Survivor to Overcomer. Here now is Ramona Probasco. My promise in the beginning to the reader is that even though I, I eventually uh, got a, P, a doctorate in psychology, this book is not a clinical read whatsoever. And that's not even my bent anyhow to talk like that. So the way I lay out the book is, is, is in a sense like sitting and having a cup of coffee across the kitchen table with a person. And it's the actual steps that I walked through and I did in my own life when I stepped out of private practice, because I stepped out of private practice for six years to, to work on myself, 
to work with counselors who are trained in domestic violence. And then down the road, I was asked um, if when I was doing a presentation, this is many years down the road, where is my book? And it didn't even occur to me, Bob, to write a book, but it planted the seed in my head. And so then I thought, well, why don't I just write down what I what I did? And so the book is the actual laid out steps. And some of those steps are, for instance, uh, right from the beginning, it is paramount that you find someone that you can share your secret with because there's a ton of secrecy around these relationships, someone who will believe you. Um, And then eventually what I encourage people to do is to connect with a counselor who is specifically trained in domestic violence. There's a lot of great counselors out there, but like myself, I don't have training in everything. And when I don't have training in, I refer those people out. So if that counselor suggests marriage counseling, couples counseling, you want to run for the hills because that's very dangerous and they, they are not trained to work with this specific issue. The next thing I tell people is it's important to call it what it is, to stop calling it a uh, couple conflict or we need to learn how to communicate better or this person has to learn how to manage their anger. Abuse is not about anger. We all get angry. We all don't abuse. And that's a huge mental shift for people to realize that. Next, I encourage people to educate themselves, to understand the cycle of abuse, that they're in a pattern, to understand um, the mindset of an abuser, that what for the two primary things, Bob, that, that drive abuse, the choice to abuse, is a person's lack of empathy for their partner, their sense of entitlement, and their need for power and control. Those, there's more, but those are the main things that drive it. So again, it's not about them getting upset or being angry. So educating yourself is extremely important. Being aware of not taking any shortcuts, I refer to them as band-aids in the book. In my particular story, as crazy as may sound, I use like cleaning house. You know, if I could get those lines in the carpet straight, I felt a sense of control, a sense of like, you know, I had I had some influence over something since my marriage was not uh, and my partner was not changing by me trying harder. I used exercise. I used um, even prayer because I just, in my mind, prayer was the key to influencing Ben to change his ways. And it wasn't until years down the road that I realized I need to start praying more for myself and, and for wisdom on, on how to respond and to love myself the way Jesus does. And then I talk about the super traits. Um, I encourage people, I teach people about that. And then I encourage people to look at how much they've changed. I I come up with this term, it's called um, pseudo self. And basically to me, what a pseudo self is, it's, it's who we become to survive what we ignore. And abuse does change a person, but it doesn't have to destroy us. And so I encourage the reader to really start to think about what made them come alive prior to the relationship? What were the things, what were their goals, their dreams, uh, their aspirations? They haven't changed because they, be, because they have as a person. Those goals have not changed. And, and then I spent I spend a good deal of time uh, with the reader talking to them about their perspective of God. I do not try to talk people into believing in God. I believe that's the Holy Spirit's job, and he does a really good job, and he's been doing it for a long time. But I lay out my own personal struggle and the anger that I had towards God for so many years because I was so confused as to why he wasn't, quote-unquote, changing Ben and making things better. 
Um, so I hover around that subject and I give the reader space to really explore their thoughts and their feelings in reference to God. Ramona Probasco here on The Intersection. Learn more at Dr. Ramona, that's drramona.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through the programming section at faithradio.org or by going to meetinghouseonline.info. When you visit that homepage, you'll find a link to the media center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you could listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. You can find The Intersection podcast through the Faith Radio app. Learn more when you visit faithradio.org. Also through the Meeting House homepage, there are links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page and get connected to video content. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go through the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.